So this is an exciting episode. But before that, just want to tell you all that we have a Patreon that you can support the show by subscribing to, and you'll get exclusive access to episodes up to a week before they're released to the public. Yeah, that's it. Enjoy the show. Oh, another episode. Yay. Welcome to Svelte Radio. Um, I'm Kevin, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Sean and Anthony. And today we have a, another guest, Scott Talinsky of Syntax FM fame, or Level Up Tuts. I don't know which one you prefer to... Both. Why not? Both. Yeah. All right. So what, what have you guys been up to, Sean, Anthony? Uh, since we last podcasted, like <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny when you, when we batch these things. Nothing much. I, I just finished my company retreat here in Seattle, and I'm going to. I'm looking forward to learning more about the city. It's still a heat wave down here or up here, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm not. I'm not venturing out that much <laughs> today. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah, I've been up to, I mean, actually mostly sort of launching new customers because it's the summer in the UK. So um, we have a lot of new people wanting to get on board with Beyond, which is great. The biggest struggle we're having is, is and maybe there's people out there who know how to do this better than I do, because I certainly don't know how to do it, is importing data from other systems. People tend to give us spreadsheets and those spreadsheets are never in the same format. And so <laughs> it's really hard and yeah. really custom every time. And the goal is to just like, make a tool which I've done, which just imports data and sticks in the system. But because it's always different, a different format, it's, it's never as reusable as I want it to be. So I'm looking for actual opinions from maybe listeners or, or whoever about how they've done that in the past, because it's, it's, a, it's something you always need eventually. Yeah, definitely. All right. So Scott, you've been, you've been on the podcast before. Well, what have you been do- up to since last time? I don't remember when that was. That must have been was- like... It's probably about ago. a year ago or or so. Yeah. I've just been doing my thing, recording a lot of tutorials and podcasts. So, uh, for those of you who don't aren't familiar with my work, I, um, I record a new tutorial series every month for Level Up Tutorials, and it it, w- it got really tough with the pandemic, as you probably can can guess. We had um, the kids at home and just noise twenty four seven. So, I'm uh, looking forward to getting back to just my normal flow of things, but we're also bringing on a bunch of guest creators to try to take away some of that burden from me. So largely we've just been developing Level Up as a platform, developing um, some of our processes and uh, just grinding away and just just learning a whole ton of stuff is really what it comes down to. Yeah. Oh, that, that sounds nice. So the reason we wanted you on the podcast again is of course the uh, the rumors that you're uh, rewriting <laughs> Level Up Tuts in uh, Svelte Kit. Yeah, which is very funny because it started off almost as like one of those dream projects that I would do. I'd think about like occasionally when I was writing some really obnoxious React code, I was like, oh, this would be way better if I didn't have to write this code right now. So <laughs> it was always one of those things that, you know, my my team and everybody around me kind of jokes that I like to rewrite things too much. And I definitely do. But the UI layer of the site has been kind of as it is since 2014. 
uh, I want to say like 2016 or so, which isn't that long of a time. But, you know, it's undergone so many changes in React. Um, I mean, when it for, was first written, it was written with create component and or was it create? Yeah, the create component method. And now, you know, it's in TypeScript and hooks and all that stuff. So even though we've been doing refactors, you're largely like just reworking code that's been... I don't know, existing into oblivion, and with all these this churn in the React ecosystem, it's it, it feels like the whole thing got a little bit brittle over time, and probably could have used at least some of the sections of the site could have probably used a totally toss it out and start over, even if that was in React or whatever. Anyways, and another big part of it was we needed to make this big decision about server side rendering. We've been really struggling um, with our server side rendering setup for a long time. And I basically have come to the conclusion in the React world, if you if you want all of the things that we want, like code splitting, and uh, we had styled components for our, our server-side setup. So we need code splitting, we need our styled components to work, we needed uh, obviously server-side rendering, but we needed our data, data to work, which was all done via Apollo. Uh, if you wanted all of these things, it was just about impossible unless you were using Next.js. And Next.js would have required a pretty substantial rewrite for us anyways. So it was like, okay, do we rewrite most of the site in React and Next.js, rethinking the structure and organization, or do we take a different approach and really think about potentially not necessarily scrapping it, because we're we're definitely reusing and migrating a bunch of stuff, but take it, taking a bigger look at like what this could be like. And so, uh, you know, I, I got very, very far with a VIT and SSR version of the site that worked with all of our stuff. But it really felt like if you breathed on it the wrong way that the whole thing would break, um, just due to the, the complexities of hydration and React and just the general, uh, just the general annoyance of trying to manage your own server-side rendering platform. Some background, the site was originally on Meteor, which is a node framework, but the Meteor parts of it did most of the heavy lifting for us for server-side rendering anyways. And that part of it worked fine. But once we moved off of Meteor, there were some things that we lost in that, that we were trying to get back and really couldn't get back with just hand rolling it all ourselves. So I, I, I set off to make a handful of just components and general things. I was like, oh, let's see how long it will take to get the data picture set up and all of the things that we would want in our site with Svelte Kit. After recording my tutorial course on it, I was like really into the style of everything. So I did it in about three hours. I had authentication, I had code splitting, I had server-side <laughs> rendering, and I had a, like just about you know a really crappy version of the homepage done. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> this is actually probably like, these are the hardest problems. The rest of us is just going to be grunt work and like rethinking some of our, our our stuff. And you know, if we really are redoing a lot of the site in the same way, we this is actually kind of like a, a really neat thing with our, our testing infrastructure since we just use Cypress for everything. Man, if, as long as we use the same data IDs and the site works the same way, man, most of the tests are still going to pass if we just uh, rewrite the whole right. thing. Um, so it just became this this idea of like, should we do it or should we not do it? And I, I said, well, maybe we'll just take a couple of weeks and it's it's going to be better for me to hack away on the Svelte version of this thing than hack away on a potential SSR build that is getting nowhere. Um, so 
you know, I'd rather spend my time being productive. And it seems like a giant step back to have to rewrite everything and a giant rewrite and all this stuff. But day to day, weighing weighing the pros and cons, uh, the further and further we got into it, the better it felt. And now we're at a point where like, I just rewrote our, our checkout um, while I'm rewriting the checkout experience right now in Svelte. And that's that's a, a, a big, big, big dog. That's a big dog. Um, and <laughs> the 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 checkout.tsx file in our site currently is 300 lines of React. The checkout.svelte uh, file is currently 130 lines. So it's like, um, and, and this is real, real savings in this, this code specifically. So... I, I don't know. I'm looking at that and it just says, wow, this is cleaner. This is easier. This is way, all of the files look so much better. And, and, and a lot of it even comes from dumb stuff like providers and fragments and even just hooks. They take up space when you could just use a function. Uh, all of these things, they just take up space when they don't need to take up space. Like, I don't know, why, what is React need functions? Yeah, because it outputs an array. Okay, but why? So just fix it for me. Do it, do it for me. I don't care. You know, <laughs> like make it easier. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That, yeah. It's a little ranty. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, uh, that sounds pretty good. Like going from 300 to 130. And I'm sure you've, you've seen like similar savings in other places, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing a really good reduction in just about all of our components. And, you know, I get some people in my, my mentions, if I'm posting stories about this saying like, well, it's not about the size of the code. And so, yeah, okay, but like <laughs> this code is, if you look at it left and right, which one is more readable, which one is easier to iterate upon, which one is is more brittle? And, you know, that it's definitely a hodgepodge of, you know, our previous site being existing for so long and going under, you know, so many different changes from the the, the ecosystem in general. But like, I don't know. If you look at these things side by side and I'm rebuilding the same component, most of the time it's a pretty decent savings and it's a pretty decent uh, improvement in developer experience. Even just like little things, like I mentioned providers. Like if we wanted to do an animate out of something, you're using uh, Framer Motion, which I love as a React animation library, but it's a React thing. You got to have a provider to sit on top of it all. Then you have your kind of obtuse if statement using double ampersands. And then you have your actual motion component on top of that. And in Svelte, it's just transition fade. Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> like that, yeah, that's, pretty, yeah. that's pretty neat to me. Well, not just when, when you use transition fade, you're actually using CSS transitions, not JavaScript transitions, which is actually a lot later on the the browser, right? The user. Yeah, there's right. a lot of little things that just they they feel lighter overall, and and that is actually like a, a good a good word to describe my experience with Svelte. Is it all just feels lighter? Everything feels lighter, even like implementing. I know portals are built in direct, but I wrote a a portal. And I was just like, oh, this is so easy. You just move one thing to another thing in the DOM. Okay. It's not that not that scary. It's not that crazy. But I remember how long it took to get portals in React. But even like the whole parent-to-child flow in React really makes you worry about state in a way that I, I don't have to worry about in Svelte. We have a pretty, pretty big custom store for our checkout process. And that thing is still infinitely more understandable than the context version of the React one before. So I don't know. It, it, it all feels lighter to me, and I'm sure there's there will be downsides along the way and whatever. But so far, we have the tutorial viewing experience. We have so much of the site done, 
and it feels great still. Yeah, you've been posting like your rewrites in fleets, and I never know the 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 uh, social etiquette around fleets. I was like, hey, th- these are just really good, but I I don't I th- think they're private. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, people just like yeah, they don't know if they have to DM because it sends you a re- like a DM for the reaction, which is weird because Instagram does the same thing and it doesn't feel weird. Sorry, like sorry, wait, what what's a fleet? Ah, <laughs> it's a, it's Twitter's a Snapchat clone, so it's like eph- ephemeral oh. uh, posts. Oh, and I didn't so, even know that so existed. Scott, yeah, it's like for throwaway stuff. Uh, but actually, you know, Scott's uh, rewrite has been progressing entire, basically entirely in fleets. And I was, <laughs> and I was just like, uh, should I? I want to draw people's attention to this, but I'm not sure how. Um, so I just, I yeah, just said like, <laughs> hey, everyone, go look at Scott's fleets. <laughs> I'm going to be doing something more formal around the the. Uh, the transition and talking a little bit more in like screen recordings. But yeah, the fleets are, are mostly like me with my phone sitting here just being like snap. Oh, this looks good. Uh, and so usually they're they're pretty uh, low effort content, so to say. But yeah. uh, I, I, I'm planning on a bunch of Neatsvelt content in general. And in, in just in general, I want to throw some stuff on YouTube to maybe talk a little bit about the transition process and what it's been like and maybe even show off a lot of the savings that we're getting in our, our component size. It's, it's very funny. I'm looking at the, I have the checkout open right here right now. And, and the the checkout for React has 16 lines of imports. And wow. like the imports Oof. end in the React file before, or like, or this felt component is like halfway through the HTML before the imports end in the <laughs> React component, just because you need to import so much stuff to do anything. I mean, everything's just baked into this felt ecosystem. It feels great. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think this is something that Anthony says, which is like uh, people disfelt because the uh, React has a larger ecosystem, uh, but we don't really ask why the ecosystem is larger in the first place. Um, yeah. Maybe just because you need adapters for everything. Everything, yeah, yeah. You need you need so many packages to do anything, and, and that, I was thinking about that a lot in terms of like what that means for the community itself. In terms of like, I could probably name ten different React state libraries off the top of my head. Then you have ten different paths that everybody's. Or where I mean, I'm, there's bigger paths and smaller paths and smaller paths, whatever. But anytime you're building anything, you got to kind of consider the fact that all those paths exist if you're building a tool for the community. Because you put out something, and then somebody will say, "Well, does this work with Megatron?" I don't know. What's Megatron? <laughs> well, I everybody uses Megatron, you know, um, and, and that, it's definitely a benefit, right? That there's so many, uh, so many different ways of accomplishing things. But in the same regard, it, it it feels very difficult to keep up. And I know a lot of people have anxieties and stress over the whole JavaScript fatigue aspect. And in Svelte, you just don't get that. You get the Svelte. API that comes with it, all of the neat stuff that comes with even Svelte and SvelteKit, right? Those are the ways to do the things. You don't have to invent other ways to do the things. But basically, what I'm trying to say is that like with Svelte, you don't have to have that, oh, the DOM API. You don't have to rewrite all of the same stuff you'd normally do with DOM API. I want to work with the DOM API. I don't have to, I don't have to care about ref.current or whatever to get a DOM element or, <laughs> oh, now all of a sudden I can't use the same use effect because use effect is, is not waiting for the DOM to, lo- Man, I don't care anymore. I just let me, <laughs> let me, uh, yeah. let me do some, some DOM work and, and let me not think about it. I think also the, the problem with loads of imports, sorry, is, is that you've got, you know, a bunch of imports and do they interoperate with each other? Who knows? Because they're all designed to kind of live in isolation. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing about the ecosystem is if you've got, if you're importing a load of stuff, 
stuff is built for a specific version of React, say 17 or 16 or whatever, the moment that they release a new major version that, that modifies the external API of React, then you've got to go and make sure all those authors update their libraries to match the new version. If you're not importing those things and it's not built in or you're using vanilla JavaScript like you are in, in Svelte and you're not using a wrapper around something, then it was never directly compatible anyway, never relied on a Svelte API. Therefore, it's just going to continue to work and work and work. Yeah. And what's so, what also what's so great about that is that like in the React ecosystem, I think it pushes you a little bit. I mean, not that the Svelte doesn't because I like to write my own stuff in Svelte, but like React, it, that that feeling of like, I don't know if this library is going to keep up with React version 19, which changes everything again. So therefore, I just should write it myself. But now you have more surface area to cover. And granted, I, I, I do write a lot of components myself anyways, especially yeah. in Svelte. But it just feels easier because they're DOM APIs rather than some just API that's built on a layer that's not the DOM, you know? Svelte is the only reason I can build UI components because I've tried another, you know, the frameworks before and, and I haven't really succeeded. <laughs> and in Svelte, I find myself basically rebuilding a calendar, which is probably something I would have thought oh, I'll never gosh. ever be able to do that, you know, because it's oh, such a difficult like a thing picker? to get right. A date picker, yeah. So even if you get past all, all the stuff like, you know, changing dates and pages and all that kind of stuff, you get into things like positioning. If you try and pop that up in an iframe, you've got to position it within the iframe and make sure it's within the viewport, even though the iframe may not be within the viewport. All that kind of weird stuff. There was loads of logic around positioning and crazy libraries and stuff. And actually, you know, you can get it pretty far with Svelte just using the the, the basic bindings it's got, uh, client with client height, that kind of thing. And and it's, I wouldn't say it was easy, but it definitely took, you know, a lot less time than it would have done with anything else. Yeah. I, I like I say I, I read a lot of a lot of components myself in general, and uh, it definitely feels different. I'll tell you that. You know, even just yesterday, for the first time, I used the um, SvelteKit package command, which I didn't even know existed. <laughs> and it's neat, I, I think. I've been making this like neat little state tool for myself, and I was like, "Well, maybe I'll just throw this up on." And I wrote I ran SvelteKit package on it, and it just swooped it up into a package, and I threw it on npm, and it took like two seconds. When with React Land on top of that, you're thinking, "Okay, now I got to make a package. What do I use?" Well, I guess I got to use TSDX because that's obviously the best one to get all your TypeScript stuff in there and everything. But then TSDX is a whole thing you got to learn. There's no React platform. I mean, there's there's React platforms, but like. Um, there's there's nothing that that feels the same way that SvelteKit does because Next.js is great, but you know is, nobody's using Next.js to make packages. I, mean, I don't know if they are, but I doubt it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would be overkill, I think. Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah, <laughs> but sure. I mean, even just to make it easy, it it just feels easy is really what I'm into, and it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing anything because so many times when you say it's it's easier, people want to say. All right. Well, what are you sacrificing for that ease of use, or what are you sacrificing there? I don't feel like I'm sacrificing anything, to be honest. Somebody was saying that they thought the state uh, was less com or less fleshed out, fleshed out than um, React. But like, huh. dang, I have a custom store that's pretty complex that is very yeah. resolver-like or very even Redux-like, and it, it wasn't hard to do, and I didn't need to bring in any extra libraries to do it. So yeah, I don't know. It feels I, very I, fine. The state thing for me, you know, the state in Svelte makes sense because it's just a hash and you update it or you don't update it. You know, you change some bits, you don't change some bits. Uh, you know, looking at reducers and stuff in React, I just got so confused. Redux, you know, not, not necessarily React, but that was mm -hmm. one of the things that put me off it at the start and thought, I don't want to get down this path. So fleshed out is a weird one because I feel like maybe 
sort of react state management is too fleshed out yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you're 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 telling you're telling person b to talk to person c to talk to person c to update thing a and then yeah. eventually <laughs> it gets done somewhere who knows <laughs> I think I think it will it will be more complex as um, more people adopt Svelte and they find more use cases. Yeah. Reacts, you know, a number of solutions. It's just a factor of how how many people use it and have different opinions. Yeah, I, I have I have some reflections on like uh, just one of one of the you know as as kind of Svelte was uh, as, as Scott was discussing this rewrite. Like it's it's it, part of why I'm very excited about this is not many people actually get to do this on a production app of, of this complexity. <laughs> So he's actually coming across like real use cases where it's going to form really good tutorial content, right? Like, because uh, <laughs> um, you know people are going to want to look in look into this as well. But I think we haven't made the case like for people considering a rewrite. Mm -hmm. um, how long should they plan for this to take? What's the cost? What's the benefit? Right? Like, uh, do you have any numbers around like it's the savings in bundle size? And uh, any, any any other benefits? Like I, I just want to make sure we we fully map that out. Uh, apart from just the the lines of code. Yeah, I want to do m more full on analysis once this is all over. Um, but it is going to be a little bit hard to say because we aren't going to be comparing apples to apples necessarily because the React build right now is just client side rendered and it's it's decently fast, but it's decently fast because our, our server operation stuff is, is fast. So I think it'll be an interesting examination once this is all over to see what it is, what it all shakes out to be. Um, but, you know, to be honest, that we've been working on it for what, like a couple weeks now, maybe? I want to say like, two weeks or so we've been working on this this rewrite and we're so far along that even if the rewrite takes a month that's a spent cost of one month of work i'm okay with rewriting the whole site for a month I, that sounds absurd i'm, I'm like cringing yeah. while i'm saying that uh but in the reality is i mean we're working on it fast it, and you wouldn't believe how easy it is to convert most React components to a Svelte component if you're doing a one-to-one -one move. So for instance, we use styled components and we basically, I really like Svelte scoping style of things. So I, I largely use styled components as a, a Svelte style scoping where I would make one root styled component to wrap the entire component in and then I would just do all my styles in that as if it were a style tag in in set or in, in Svelte. So for me, I'm, I'm copying a React component, I'm moving over, I'm deleting most of the imports, I'm wrapping some stuff in a script tag. I do a command find for class name to class. I wrap the CSS in a, a tag and it's over. I mean, I can speed run moving one component over in about a, you know, a couple minutes, believe it or not. And there's a lot of components in the site, but it's really not that bad. The, the complex stuff is like right now where I'm rewriting the checkout experience. And I want to take a step back and say like, now that we're in a place where we can rethink the state and the data of all of this thing in a way that we don't have to totally rely on this parent-child tree flow or whatever that we had before, or even like sending methods down, or sending state updaters down to update the state higher up the chain, stuff like that, I, it, it, it takes a little bit longer to do these things. But for the most part, man, we're just churning them out. And if I see this thing as a, a month, as a business owner, I'm willing to say, let's take a month and do this. The way I, I would see most people picking up Svelte for a project, if they're, uh, I don't see most people doing this. Maybe they could. 
I've always been the type that likes to do this type of thing. So for me, it's it's a little bit of a, a fun experiment. I see a lot of like people who, you know, I used to work at agencies. And if I worked at a design agency, a dev agency, I was working on a new project every other month. And if I'm working on a new project every other month, it's a great opportunity to pick up Svelte and say, I'm going to just try Svelte for this project. And I think you'll be blown away and I don't think you'll go back because I think that's just the way it is. So me personally, I think that's way where it's going to go. I could see people rewriting things in like transferring things over kind of like what we're doing, but I don't expect that to be the normal. And and it'll be really, really fascinating. I, I think maybe, you know, we can do a, a part two of this and I can come back in a month or two or something and say like, all right, here's what the end result was. Here's here's what the real savings were perf-wise. Even in our production build, we're seeing faster load times than we were in the React version. But, you know, we're getting server-side rendering for that kind of stuff. And yeah, it, it's it's hard to say what the, what the end result will be just yet. Yeah. So, so you talked a bit about converting React components to Svelte. What about converting React devs to Svelte? What's the, <laughs> what's the experience there? How, like, what's your team like? What, what are you yeah. finding? Well, you know, Svelte? our team is a, a couple of guys, and one of which his primary experience was in Vue before he came to level up. So when he was in the React site, he was constantly having to learn the React way of doing things. And then when we moved to Svelte, he was like, oh, man, I, I'm loving that I get to use some of these Vue-like things that I've been without for so long. And our other dev is is kind of, he's he's done Svelte before. He's working in uh, Sapper for, a pro- or he was working in Sapper for like a side project. So he has a lot of Svelte experience. So uh, they they were initially kind of like, oh, I don't know, man, that's a, that seems like a lot of, and then once I showed them my initial like weekend hack away proof of concept, and this is like what it would be like, and they're like, okay, yeah, let's let's give it a try. You know, let's try it. And after working in it for like a little bit, seeing the system and whatever, everybody's like, Oh yeah, this is better. <laughs> let's let's do this. <laughs> um, I mean, it, and it helps too. So, like, we're not rewriting the CSS. We're not writing the data picture here. We're just rewriting the UI components, many of which are just HTML. And I mean, we have some complex stuff going on, but it's not anything totally bananas. The cool thing is, is that we used GraphQL Code Gen to generate all of our React hooks and the typings for those hooks in TypeScript. And th- we just we just told GraphQL code gen to do its thing on a folder or on, on all of the GraphQL schema files and it spit out all of the stuff. And so it was really neat to just make like three new lines in our GraphQL code gen file and say, hey, just output functions now instead of React hooks. And then now I just import a function. <laughs> and the only difference is, is that if I am <laughs> converting a React component that used a GraphQL hook uh, in the past, if I'm converting that component before it was use, let's say, use tutorials. Now it's just tutorials. And it either gives me async tutorials or tutorials. I can use async tutorials to grab it on the server side and do like have it return a promise, or I can use tutorials to get a subscription in Svelte. So, hey, I didn't have to rewrite any of that stuff, and now I'm just importing it from somewhere else, and that you just delete the word use, and it's basically the same. So it's like those aspects yeah. of it, 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 like that's the stuff that I did not want to do. Like I don't want to rewrite all of the thinking about those mutations and whatever. So I, I'm very happy that anytime I need to communicate with their API, it's it's just about deleting a couple words and that's it. Yeah. Uh, what I mean, so listeners can't see, but you you obviously seem very happy when you when you talk about this, and I think uh, that's a that's an intangible benefit of uh, of yeah. using spell. Um, yeah, what, what I mean, we're, we're a couple of weeks into a rewrite here, and I'm uh, 
I'm not like wanting, and I have a course coming out today and I'm not wanting to, you know, uh, you're not slowing down. Just yeah. quit. Yeah. Very happy. Uh, one, of, one of the things that I reflect on. So this is one of Rich Harris's, uh, he gave a, he gives a sequence of talks on, on Svelte, starting with rethinking reactivity. Mm. Uh, and then, but he, he gave one in New York city, which was not recorded, but he he did share the slides and it's called metaphysics and JavaScript where he was talking about the impedance mismatch between uh, wanting to code in JavaScript, but uh, having the DOM fundamentally be a mutable layer. So you, you want to use the functional paradigm, but you're actually coding on like a, a mutable substrate, <laughs> I think he called it. Um, and and the, the whole problem with React is having to translate everything into the FP paradigm and then having that translate down to the DOM. And, and what you're finding is that actually a lot of times you don't have to do that. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a link in the show notes on uh, his talk where he shared his slides and he's got speaker notes and everything and people can check that out because I think I think it's a fundamental understanding of like why does it feel so so much simpler like there's there's a reason and that's because uh, it's a fundamentally different paradigm of, of coding I think as much as React rewards knowing JavaScript very well Svelte rewards knowing HTML very well mm -hmm. um, and HTML people debate whether it's a programming language or not, but nobody's debating that it's a simpler language than JavaScript. Um, and, and you see the uh, repercussions here. Yeah, I think that's bang on, especially with my experience in in both of these. I mean, I've been writing React code daily since 2015, and uh, I have a lot of experience with React. So, like, for me, I, I definitely feel that greatly, where you're always having to learn the React way of doing things. I know HTML and CSS really well, and that's primarily my skill set before I got into, while well, I was doing React and Backbone and whatever. But before I got heavy into JavaScript, that's all I did all day was CSS and HTML and PHP, whatever. So, like, for me, like it's a return to these DOM APIs that it feels so natural, and it feels like you're you're building on something that is 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 not shaky ground. I mean, these are these are things that are going to exist forever. You know, it's the it's the DOM, it's the browser APIs. They're not going to remove those APIs. So uh, it feels great to do that. Yeah, I think yeah, it does, I think does it, feel very com concrete. I think actually as well, like you, like you said, it does. You know, when you're building HTML, it's it's like a thing that sits there and the, the only code you really end up writing is a bit of code to sort of wire the odd things together and make things interact if, if they're, you know, if they're clicked or whatever. And kind of, for me, that's how I've always envisaged JavaScript anyway. And I think everything else has been just going far too far in the wrong direction uh, and overcomplicating something which is fundamentally just moving things on screen, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I always think about it, like Svelte really does feel like HTML with interactivity sprinkled in, not JavaScript with HTML shoehorned in, you know, uh, that that's like the way I've been seeing it from the start. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I think HTML and CSS is like criminally underused in, <laughs> in like web dev in general. Yeah, I agree greatly. You can, you, you can do so much with, with it. Like it's crazy. You just like, instead of like Googling for a solution to to a problem using JavaScript, just like try HTML and CSS and probably <laughs> yeah. find something that gets you halfway there. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I feel like I feel like in in, in React or, or whatever else, you're you're basically rendering HTML using JavaScript, and that seems back to front. Whereas in Svelte, and I know it's not actually you know underneath underneath really doing it, but it feels like you're rendering HTML using HTML. And then you're adding JavaScript on top. It's the, the whole notion is, is in reverse, and it's it's the way that if you were to build something in plain HTML, that's how you would do it. You'd build that that concrete structure of HTML, 
And then you start adding the like sprinkling act- interactivity, as, as Scott said. And I feel like when you're using React, you just you you're starting off by creating something which renders elements in HTML to some other thing, which then is converted to the DOM. It's all it's just very complicated. <laughs> it's all very complicated, and it, and it shows up in in the end result in the code uh, because it is complicated. You end up writing more more complicated code that is, in my opinion, harder to maintain, or in my experience, I should say. Yeah. Uh, are, we, are you taking advantage of like actions and you know the motion stores like any any other uh, small APIs you want to shout out? Yeah, weighted you know, question. It, it, so so um, a small plug here. I'm the course I'm releasing today. Today is um, June 30th. Is on building Svelte reusable Svelte components where we like what we do is we like examine kind of like common component patterns that you need to write and then just. Dis- distill like little lessons inside of them and whether or not it is like custom state or whatever. And I was using the the Svelte Toast library. That's like really fantastic. And I saw that they used a, a tweened to do a timeout for removing a toast message after a certain amount of time. It's like the tweened has an event at the end of it. And you say tweened for 20 seconds and you just await that and then fire off your event when it's done. And I was like, that's it. Amazing. That's a so that's a very that's simple timeout. It's very smart, and I, wow. I I found like little patterns like that all over the place, and I love stuff like that. So yeah, I'm using Tween for for some things like that. I'm using uh, custom stores a lot, where we have like I said, complex stores, especially for the checkout experience. You're either subscribing or you're buying a product. You have to have all these like different means of of essentially getting to the end point of making the payment, and team accounts, and those types of things is pretty intense, but. We're using actions quite a bit. Uh, we use actions for for little things like you know on click outside. I wrote like a just a very simple dragging action. And actions are probably like one of my favorite things to do in Svelte, just because again, yeah, you get access to the these DOM yeah. the, the DOM in a way. It's like oh, here's this node. When when I wrote the portal, the portal is is just like here's an action. Use portal, okay? But the portal is like oh, you have a DOM node. It gives access to the DOM node. You just find the body, throw it in the body. Oh, okay, that's so cool. Okay, and, and you don't have to think about the platform at all. You just think about, all right, you have an update and a destroy and you have an initialization going on and that's pretty much it. Um, and so, yeah, definitely utilizing actions when, when, they're, when they're appropriate for us. And I found, I found it to be just really nice. It does take a little bit of rethinking because... Even, you know, I was talking to Tom, who's our dev manager, and he was like asking me for like advice on how to approach something in Svelte. And I was like, oh, you are overcomplicating this. You are you are thinking in React because like in React, it is just natural to overcomplicate so many things that you could do in a much more simpler way. So I found largely, yeah, we're using some interesting advanced stuff in Svelte, but for the most part, you can get done everything in a, just a simple way. And the simplicity is like astounding sometimes. So yeah, a lot of neat stuff. And I, I think even more than in my own personal work, this tutorial course of doing individual Svelte components has been definitely a, a, an eye-opening experience to working with advanced stuff. Like even one of the things that we built in it is like an accordion that doesn't unmount the child from the DOM, which uh, you cannot do with transition slide because transition slide only unmounts. So I, I took an approach of using the web animations API, but you could do it with CSS too. CSS is probably a little, well, I guess it wouldn't be that hard, but even like that, that uses an action. 
And that was, okay, I have a thing. Let's measure the thing. Then we can do a flip animation for it. And then that's the end of the deal. So doing this tutorial course has up in my mind to maybe more advanced patterns. But to be honest, man, we're, we're getting a lot done with even simple patterns here. So yeah, I, I'm, I, I really love actions. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. my, uh, my, my favorite, favorite feature. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm starting to like stores as well, like custom stores, like using them in a, in more of like a custom hook way. You'd mm -hmm. use them like singletons in, no, sorry, not singletons, the other one. I actually, uh, um, I wanted to ask about that specific thing. You talk about making a checkout with some stores. I also have a checkout that uses a bunch of stores and things like that. One thing I find kind of frustrating, but it's done intentionally, is that if you fill in all your details, you flip page to page, and then you decide to uh, to refresh or the or the browser refreshes because you know you're in dev mode, it loses the contents of that store. Mm. Um, are you using some sort of like clever persistence in the back end, or are you storing things in local storage or session storage or anything like that? We're not, but that's probably a good idea. Um, you, you, our, our checkout experience is, is most likely a little bit different than most places because when you're buying something from us, it's typically like you're buying one course or you're buying a subscription and that's like a one click, I'm in the checkout kind of deal. In yeah. fact, even when you click the add to cart button in our site, it takes you right to the checkout because uh, most people aren't buying five or six courses. They can at one time, but most people are, if they're going to do that, they're just going to get the subscription. So for us, it's not a huge deal if they lose those cart contents, but I can imagine like a, a store or any sort of like anything where you have a shopping cart that you don't want to lose, that would be a bigger deal. But if I were to approach it, I would probably just throw it in local storage and then check local storage, um, you know, on initialization or something. But I, I yeah. yeah, and, and that's probably like the right solution. Okay. Uh, no, I was basically... Just, just going to say that I think the the checkout experiences sound quite, quite similar. So that's it's interesting to know that people are, uh, you know, seeing the same issues, and obviously that's good because we can uh, figure out good solutions. Carry yeah, established yeah. patterns. You know, so is a really good use case for e-commerce. Um, just the speed is, is so essential and we need to establish all these patterns because money's at stake, right? So <laughs> the more content we can get out there, the more we can teach people how to do this right. And uh, yeah. Anyway, so so I I, I would love to change gear a little bit and talk about Svelte Kit. Because um, yeah. I think we spent a lot of time talking about Svelte. Um, just like what features of Svelte Kit are you using? And what pain points are you potentially running into? Yeah, you know what? Svelte Kit has been uh, mostly fantastic. There are some little things like, well, some things we'll have to figure out that we're anticipating will be figured out before launch uh, that are kind of mysteries right now. For instance, like GraphQL is fantastic, but Apollo itself is, is really pretty annoying sometimes. And Apollo requires you to have a full URL for their their connection string. Like if you can't do a relative URL for the connection string. So SvelteKit is filtering out our headers for authentication. So we won't get, because it sees that absolute URL as a external URL. Um, so that's like a big point right now. The solution for that is to proxy the URL from a Svelte API route, which would work if Apollo let you do it, which is just weird that it doesn't let you do it. So I think there's there's an issue in SvelteKit about it, but that's like, that's like the biggest headache that I've had so far with it, just being like, okay, if... Like, how can I trick Apollo into accepting this URL? <laughs> What's worse about Apollo is that their documentation still says that, like, forward slash GraphQL is the default URL. But 
no, it isn't. Because if you try to enter that as a string, it complains about it. So like, it's very clearly the documentation that's wrong. But you know, with any of these things, you're, you're trying to weigh this stuff. So it's like, for me, I'm like, now do I have to rip out Apollo and change to Urkel or something? I don't really want to do that. So hopefully uh, we can figure out something there. But that's really been the biggest pain point. Adapters have been a little bit of a shifting sand, but that's okay. We're not looking to deploy right now anyways. We're just, we're keeping an eye on it. And the production build right now with our current setup works fine anyway. So I'm not anticipating that being a huge problem. But Svelte overall, it's felt very smooth. You know, if people say it's it's not ready for prime time, I don't know. There, there's, for the most part, I haven't had really, like besides those two little things, which are very specific, right? I mean, the GraphQL thing, very specific. I haven't had really any any issues with it. So yeah, I, I think Svelkit has, has, I almost feel like Svelte is Svelkit to me, or yeah, like Svelte is Svelkit. Like I, I, I was weighing options of using just straight up Svelte for this new tutorial course. And instead I decided to use Svelkit, even though we weren't really using any of this Svelkit stuff besides the package command. But like at the end of the day, I was like, I don't know, the, the benefits kind of outweigh yeah. the cost of using Svelkit if there is a cost. Uh, and that's really, that's really the whole thing. So yeah, I, I found so far my experience with it to be really nice. I think one of the goals, of, well, I know one of the goals of Svelkit is that it is the entry point for anything you build in Svelte. So hence Svelte package being for building libraries, um, and the rest of it for you deploying kind of full applications. So it's it's good that you feel that way. And, and I, I don't think there is uh, an overhead just using Svelte Kit. We're probably going to start, you know, actively discouraging people from using Svelte directly now, um, except for niche cases where maybe you're sticking stuff in an existing app or, or building an independent JavaScript file or whatever. But for the most most cases, no matter what you're doing, what you're building is Svelte, you'll just be using Svelte Kit. Yeah, that totally tracks. I think there's a lot of advanced features that people really need to work out patterns for in Svelkit with, with regards to how you can, uh, you know, take advantage of, of endpoints, um, serve binary assets, <laughs> um, and or, or like you know proxy requests or or uh, prefetch links. I, I don't even want, know what no scroll is, but um, you know it's it's in there. There, there are a lot of optimization options where you can optimize performance. There's a lot of little things, and you know what? It, it, it even even like this felt head to do your metadata stuff man how handy is that i was using react helmet and then react helmet changes their their api okay i gotta deal with that then uh oh yeah react helmet doesn't work with um hydration so now you got to use react helmet async <laughs> which is a different library made by somebody else that's kind of similar it's like oh my god <laughs> let me just let me change the metadata please <laughs> and, and uh that was like one frustration that we were having in the past it's like oh no our metadata has to wait on our data data and yeah and that, that's really why I feel like Next.js for React, if you're writing React and you want it server-side rendered, just use Next.js. Don't even, don't even worry about anything else. And, and, and that was part of the problem that, that really soured me on the whole experience. But yeah, I, I hear you. It, it's, it's, there's a lot of neat little things and, and we don't, whenever you find and use one of those neat little things, like. Uh, we had a, like a redirect in one of our server-side routes. So uh, we had a, a slugged route that we wanted to redirect to and just simply setting up that load and doing the redirect. And that was like a dream. We hit the database, we checked the data, we redirected and we sent the data along and it was just effortless. Yeah. It's got features of Remix as well where like you can set the max age of a of a rendered page. Mm. 
um, which is a you know a big deal in, in remix and and for Svelte, it's just like a part of it. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, a remix don't have is to probably pay for it. one of the yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> they gotta make money somehow. But remix, remix definitely is one of the more intriguing libraries in my mind. But but still, yeah, the fact that it, it is easy in Svelte is just just like everything, right? Oh, I can do yeah. this. Oh, it's easy. Oh, okay. That shouldn't be surprising anymore, but it's surprising because I've been writing React code for 15 years or uh, five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So I think uh, we probably should uh, move on to uh, unpopular opinions. <laughs> Does anyone good. have one? Anthony has one, of course. He always course. has one. Always. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Scott go first. Scott oh, no. Uh, no, somebody else go first. I got to think about it. All mine. right. I'll go first. So <laughs> you don't need I mean, to mine's, pick one. <laughs> mine's easy, right? Anybody, anybody, who's, anybody who's ever received an email already knows my my pick, which is basically email sucks. It's, it's a terrible medium for anything. The reasons being, you know, to start off with, one, you can't find anything in email. Even, even Gmail just sucks for finding anything. Hey.com uh, is proof that you can't actually improve that situation at all. Receiving emails, uh, they end up either top posted, bottom posted, half comment posted. You have to read to a big thread. You get an email that's not part of the thread. The whole thing hinges upon uh, three letters, R, E, colon, that you know that helps you associate whether an email is part of a reply chain or not. Email errors, they are a non-standard format. They're just random, so you can't, you, know, you can't check bounces properly. You have to do all sorts of weird filtering and checking of words and grepping and god knows what it's just the whole thing is just terrible there's nothing there's nothing redeeming about email at all and i actually know of one person i can't remember who it is now has actually stopped receiving emails they've just turned it off and said if you want to contact me <laughs> it just sort of responds you want to contact me find a different mechanism because email sucks and it always has them. Um, fair enough <laughs> yeah there's, there's just nothing about it that that makes me happy anymore it's, it's great right for a login name that's what i like the sort of you know the at character in the middle and stuff that's perfect notifications you can't send people important things you randomly get your emails blocked by providers for no obvious reason um just usually a blip in their filter and they block let's say apple blockers quite a lot randomly it, nothing works just none of it works and all the spam filter companies don't work and yeah email sucks <laughs> this is this is an epic rant like it's kind of like old man <laughs> the cloud but this is old man <laughs> it, it is <laughs> i could i could literally it's more like it's more like younger man um yells at cloud because actually older people prefer email right um i just i just genuinely think that um just email is broken and i don't know how how we haven't invented something better that we can use day to day right maybe maybe is, like uh, texts there's a philosophy in tech, right? Like, worse is better. Uh, it's the it's the minimum viable, good, just good enough thing that spreads the most. Uh, sure. So email has email is like the minimum viable communication medium that has that has you know lasted longer than anything else that we've had, uh, and it will continue to last longer than anything else just by the <laughs> sheer Lindy effect. So you say, you say just good enough. I counter that. I don't think it's good enough. I don't think it beats that bar. After after we change web programming, we will reinvent email with this yeah. Whole you know what? Yeah. Google Inbox really felt like email reinvented to me for a little while. Until yeah. yeah, until that. Until I killed it. Yeah, for no obvious reason. For no obvious <laughs> no reason. Well, that's, that's Google uh, for you. Yeah. Also, for real, you know, last time I picked uh, Superhuman. Um, if if anyone wants to try it, uh, just hit me up. 
Cool. Uh, any, anyone else have a? Uh, I, have a I have an unpopular opinion. If one, if uh, anyone else wants. To I don't. Go. I don't uh, have one. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> now I'll, I'll just do. I'll just do mine, and, and then we'll do picks. Uh, so my unpopular opinion came up yesterday because Mark Erickson, uh, who's the maintainer of Redux, was complaining about having to maintain the types for React Redux, which behaves differently based on the. The arguments you pass it, and he was saying, like, you know, if if you could go back in time and tell Danny Bromov in 2015 to not have essentially polymorphic uh, behavior based on the kind of arguments that you pass in, it would be much easier to maintain and, and remember the API. Uh, and uh, it reinvoked uh, this opinion I have, which is that JavaScript should only have JavaScript functions should only be allowed to have one argument ever. And so this is this goes beyond the linting rule. Like I want this to be in the language itself to deprecate multiple arguments. And it's not just because you can just pass in arguments. You can pass in an object and name the arguments. So it's so it's order invariant. Mm -hmm. It's also easier to remember, label, grep. Uh, there's a lot of features that you can do point-free JavaScript predictably. And it's not even about not liking functional programming because it turns out that all the FP languages like Haskell and Elm work that way. You apply individual arguments one by one, and that's how you do currying. So uh, if we had a hard break, major version break in JavaScript and <laughs> just did that, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> all right. Picks then? I think yeah. we have time, right? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. All right. So I'll, I'll go first. I'm going to pick the, the vaccine. Vaccine. That's yeah, a good I just pick. got my first dose today. Nice. I'm sure you guys are already fully vaccinated over there in the UK I and the won't. US. But... Oh, all right. Yeah, I that's my I pick. Haven't yet. I haven't got it yet. I'm, uh, ah. I'm, ex I'm an accidental vaccine denier. I'm denying myself. <laughs> the vaccine. Get on uh, it, you know, Sean. Just because yeah, we, we were rationed in Singapore. So uh, now that I'm here, I'm oh, getting yeah. it. And uh, something that the U.S. is pretty good about is they'll just give it to you. You don't have to be a citizen. Yeah, yeah they, they, they just give it to you. My, my wife got it super early because she's technically a healthcare worker, even though she's the psychologist. So um, she she was like one of the first people. She's like the first person I knew who got it. And it was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. You just go in there and get it. Uh, I will pick um, a podcast because I like picking podcasts. Um, there's a really good podcast that I, I, I talked about on syntax, but I'll double pick it here. Cause it's really interesting. It's called a death in crypto land. And it's a BBC pod or is it? No, it's, it's not. A, I, I said this on syntax too. I said it was BBC, but it's a uh, Canadian it's CBC. Um, yeah, which I should know. I know their logo from Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, but it's a CBC podcast about Sky who basically had the keys to this crypto exchange and it was like kind of like a trading platform i don't know it was not like a trading platform oh, it was more like a, was an it investment firm quadriga quadriga yeah quad, thing? quadriga yeah. yeah and um yeah it's very fascinating a death in crypto land and it's kind of examining his sort of his life in general and why he was a, a difficult and problematic figure overall he's like a just sort of like a history of scams uh, throughout his entire life, and it kind of details a lot of those scams and stuff. So, like the 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 idea that he didn't die, whether or not he he probably most likely died, but the idea that he didn't die is actually pretty believable for a handful of reasons. And they really dig deep and they interview a lot of people and talk about like what it would look like if he actually tried to fake his death because he just happened to be vacationing in a part of India where it's really easy to fake your death and that a lot of online forums say, go here to fake your death. <laughs> so like uh, there's, there's <laughs> a lot of like really little interesting things about it. Yeah. Um, wow. and, and I don't, there's no answer to the mystery because nobody knows the answer, but it is it, like just kind of examining things and talking a lot about uh, crypto 
and scams and uh, you know swindlers in general. So it's 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 pretty neat. I'm gonna have a listen. Love it. Nice. Love it. Always a swindle swindler. In yeah. The yeah I Although I had <laughs> I had to stop listening to Swindled, which is like one of my favorite ones. I was listening to Swindled for a long time, and the, the stories get so heavy. Uh, you know, it's like <sighs> during the pandemic, I like could not take any more death and despair. And like, oh, you know, this, this, you know, CEO cut this amount of money for funding and then the whole thing blew up and, you know, 500 people died. And you just be like, oh, man, like that, that really like, yeah. could not handle it. Don't need to Ouch. compound that. Uh, yeah. since, you, since, you, since you are a podcaster and you listen to a lot of podcasts, does that influence your production of Syntax FM? Yeah, greatly. Um, Wes and I have like a, a running list of things that we hate and like in podcasts and we like don't want to do or we'll like talk about it. Like, I don't know, it's getting a little this or that. Let's, uh, <laughs> you know, let's tune it up a little bit here in these ways. Yeah, what's an insight that, you, that you've implemented? I'm just kind of curious of the behind the scenes. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I, I think it, 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 one, one big thing for us is that, like, we want people to have something to take away from every episode. We don't want the episodes to just exist for, just to, just to exist for the sake of it. We, we want there to be a clear goal for each one to say, all right, this episode we're, we're teaching HTML. We're going to go hard on it. And what we're not going to do is we're not going to spend 15 minutes talking about what we had for breakfast that day. Well, we might talk about it for two minutes or one minute, but we're not going to spend half the podcast talking about it like so many of them do. So, you know, just trying to, trying to maximize value for time is, has been a, a key component to what we, what we do. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, we should do more of that ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, two, two fast picks. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do mine. Uh, so I'll pick a, I'll pick another Rich Harris talk. Uh, this is a, another one of those like under undervalued one. It's called Write Less, Do More. He did it in JS Camp Barcelona, uh, which talks a little bit about the code savings um, and how important that is, even though that seems superficial. So if you want to look more into like the rewrite or you know the, the fundamental philosophy behind Svelte, check that talk out. Uh, my pick is pretty simple um, for the, this one. It's, it's a real tangible item, which is great. Uh, so my pick is Kilner jars, uh, those little jars that have the clippy tops. Um, it's dead simple. It's dead easy just because they, they are great for storing things. Uh, we were watching a YouTube channel about um, making a house look, look nicer than it, than it otherwise does. And one, one thing that stuck in our heads was basically if you take your products in these weird you know, marketing packages in the fancy colors and you stick those products in kill the jars, your house just immediately looks neater, more high end, cleaner immediately just by doing that, getting rid of that packaging and rubbish. So kill the jars are the way to do that, one way to do that. So recommend them. Nice. Sick. All right. That's all our picks. And uh, thanks, Scott, for coming on and talking to us again. And we should do it once you've... Uh, Re once you've done the the full rewrite <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> and hopefully we'll have it live and we can examine it and do a whole post-mortem that'd be dope Cool. Yeah, and uh, shall we plug the the course that you're releasing today? Yeah, yeah I'm releasing a court, uh, course today called Svelte Components. That it's all just about building Svelte components. Uh, we use SvelteKit in it, but the course last <laughs> month was on SvelteKit, and the course a couple of months ago is on animating in Svelte. So we have a lot of Svelte content at leveluptutorials.com. Uh, you can sign up for one year and save twenty five percent. And uh, yeah, just head on over, check it out. We have a lot of Svelte content. And uh, you know, I should go without saying that if we're rewriting the, the site in Svelte, there will most likely be a lot more on the way. So uh, excited about Excellent. that. Excellent. Cool. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you later, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.